You're listening to SCGA Off the Hosel, the official podcast of the South Carolina Golf Association. Here are your hosts, Alan Knight and Biff Lathrop. Hey, and welcome back to SCGA Off the Hosel, the official podcast of the South Carolina Golf Association. I'm Alan Knight, joined by Biff Lathrop. Biff, how are you? I'm doing great, AK. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. I know y'all been busy here lately, man. Man, we've been on a run, dude. This entire staff, juniors, everybody, we're all running right now, running golf tournaments. But things have things have been good the last couple of weeks since we last got together. Uh, we uh, the, the day the last episode came out with Kyle on the on, on the podcast, we were doing the Palmetto Cup over at Wood Creek Club. Yep, over in Elgin. Um, my main man over there, Clem King, kind of leads the charge for the pros. You know, this is the the amateurs versus the Carolina PGA pros. Fourteen top ams versus fourteen top pros, and uh, it's been an annual grudge match for almost forty years now. Yes, it has. It's one of my favorite events, actually. It's fun. We have it's two good fun days. We we. We, we, we break them up into, into groups of two, uh, four, seven matches, and the first day we play a captain's choice, and it's a point for the front, and a point for the back, and a point overall, and then we do the same thing point-wise, but in a four-ball format on Monday. Yep. Have a big dinner Sunday night, and a lot of good food, a lot of good good times had. So we, it's, a, it's a great couple days. Um, the competition this year, we amateurs got the better hand of it this year. Uh, it's two years in a row now, but we ended up, we ended up taking the pros down 27.5 to 14.5. Um, might just go to show you everybody out there how hard these pros are working right now. They don't no get to doubt. play golf as much as they used to. So, um, but regardless of the outcome, we still had a had a great time out there and appreciate Wood Creek and them having us a, a week before they're redoing the greens. Yep, they're under construction right yes, now. Yes, they are. They're digging them out as we speak. So, uh, a great, great, great another event at Palmetto for the Palmetto Cup. Uh, we we rolled right from there that next weekend and went to the uh, the twelve and under. Formerly known as yes, the, the Pee Wee Championship at Columbia Country Club. at Columbia Country Club, played a little Lakeside Nine over there. Uh, there was so many of them out there. I was played that day, and there was so many kids. There's a lot of kids, and you know, with a lot of kids, what comes with is a lot of parents out yes. there too, and aunts yes. and uncles and grandmas and grandpas. Um, yeah, but man, twelve and under, all these kids out there, it was great. I think it was our biggest field we've had in a couple of years. Um, Justin and his team did such a fantastic job out there, and when it was all said and done in the in the girls' division, Miss Little Miss AC Peak. Uh, shot so they, they play nine and then yep. they come back and then they repair and they play another nine right uh so ac shot 37 35 for a five shot victory in her division nice and then in the boys division uh we had a tie when it was all said and done cullen beck and hayward jennings yeah uh, both shot 70 when it okay. was all said and then they had a little playoff there and cullen got the better hand of it on the playoff so he ended up yeah. overall winner but man it's just really cool to you know, see these 12 and unders, and, and these, this is our future. I mean, you talk about future, this is the future of golf. And so we're, we're excited to get those, those youngsters out there and looking for more youngsters, looking for more girls in particular. We'd like to get these girls more involved in, in playing some junior golf. A couple notes on that. So I had 12 years of running those tournaments and knew what it was like having those kids out there. It was a commonplace for us. Yeah. But now I got experience as a member coming off the green and you see a sea of kids. And it is kind of shocking. And it was great to see the banners and everything. Well, we, we're we very appreciative to Columbia Country Club. They've been doing this with us for many years now. And, uh, you know, to let us have that, that nine for, for basically all day on that Sunday was is, is important to us and means a lot. It means a lot to these kids, too, and these families. And I don't know if they still do it, but at one point your wife and I developed the back during the peewee, the peewee menu. It was like tater tots, 
mini hot dogs, hamburgers, like all kind of peewee themed. Ditto. It's still yeah. still going today. Heather, yep. my wife, who's the club manager there at Columbia Country Club, has putting together a fantastic menu for these kids. And you're right, it is a it is exactly what yeah. a twelve and under would want to eat. Right, right. So they good 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 day out there. Yep. Um, rolled right from there. The very next day, uh, we had our U.S. Open qualifier at Secession. Oof. Um, and this is the local qualifier. So, you yeah. know, everybody qualifies here. They still got to go to the, to the next step and, and, and finalize the process. But we had we had five players who shot 70 or better when it was all said and done. Those five players got a spot into the next part. And out of those five, uh, two of them are South Carolina boys. Uh, Austin Morgan from Charleston, South Carolina. Okay. And little young Luke Block uh, from Bluffton, South Carolina, one nice. of the junior players. Congrats, gentlemen. Wow. Yep, both of them shot 70. So they, they did a great job. And, again, appreciate the opportunity to session. What a, what a beautiful place to go walk around for 18 holes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, jeez, yeah. me. Um, Depends on if the tide's up or down. I guess, and if the wind's blowing, too. That true, wind, I've true. seen that wind blow through there. We almost couldn't play little par three, that 17th hole. Yeah, I remember that. I right? was working with yeah. you there. Yeah. So, um, and then <laughs> that was on Monday. On Tuesday, we started our senior championship, and we were so excited. We were up in Woodruff at Three Pines Country Club. Uh, we've done a lot of events there, but this is our first major we brought up there and, and had a great three days. I assume you had two crews doing it separate because you yep. literally couldn't – you could drive from Secession to Three Pines and have about two hours before the tea time start. Yeah, we had, we, we had we had one crew at Secession doing doing that qualifier, okay. and then we had a whole other crew up there at Woodruff actually on Sunday prior to getting ready. I mean, right. The tournament starts on Tuesday. We get there two days prior to get all the signage and all the – course marked and all that stuff prepared so yeah um but just a a good three days at three pines great people up there they, they really enjoyed having us which is as, as important as anything else and uh when it was all said and done longtime scga player uh ron schroeder from now up in the seneca area he used to be out of aiken um ron schroeder shot rounds of 70 71 73 the only player under par at 214 Got a three-shot victory over uh, Eddie Hargett and Chris yeah. Coon. Poor Eddie can't get this final championship. He's been battling for years. He can't get this one. But, um, man, it was just a good three days. Again, it's just fun to be up there and, and, and to be around that area. And uh, congratulations to Ron Schroeder on his yeah. – he's won two New Mexico State cha- senior championships when he lived out there for work. So now he's added a South Carolina one to his resume. Not too bad. Pretty good. So uh, that kind of wrapped up the last two weeks. And then as we get going into these next two and a half weeks or so until we get back together, we listen to this, AK. We're getting ready to go on an epic run here, and this is just May. Right. Uh, the 17th and 18th of May, we're going to be down at the Legends at Paris Island for our Super Senior Four Ball. Uh, the 20th and 21st of May, the juniors will be at Fort Jackson for the play, another player series. Yeah. Uh, listen to these numbers. So we're, we're, we we accepted 84 players. That's kind of what our limit for that player series. Mm-hmm. We had over 160 applications what? to come play at Fort Jackson. So that's the problem is we started you started the player series for the overflow. You know, yeah, it's, that's great. It's that's, great. It's, it just goes to show you what's happening right now, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, we run right from the player series. SCGA goes. We're at Long Cove, another good, really good yeah. place. We're going to be there for the U.S. Senior Open Qualifier. Yeah, excited to have that there. We've never had the U.S. Senior Open Qualifier at Long Cove. Um, the very next day, for the next three days, the 23rd, 24th, and 25th, the juniors will be at pretty good spot here too at Congaree. Wow! For the, ju- match play. the SCJGA match play. Uh, so we'll have I think it's 48 kids going down there and be match playing their way through the first three days. What a place. And then as that's going on, the SCGA will be back at Musgrove Mill, our home for the SCGA four-ball championship, yep. which is our match play version. We have two days of stroke play, 
uh, qualify for top 32 teams, and then uh, go into match play. That'll be a good one. One of my favorite tournaments. It really is. It's, it's a good warm-up for the state amateur. That's it. That's right, because we're going to be at the state amateur. If everybody hadn't heard, the changeover, we're going to be at the state amateur now in August for at uh, uh, at Musgrove Mill. So excited about that. We'll get to spend some time with Jeff Tallman and his crew up there. Yeah, I like Mr. And Will Tallman. Holroyd, the superintendent, who's a magician. I mean, they, that course just got flooded two weeks ago, and it's already it? bone dry. Will's done a great job. They do a great job. And talking about superintendents, uh, we, we've got a special guest coming up here. AK, why don't you give us a little more information on this gentleman? Today we got my man, Kerry Stoffel, from currently works for Vereens and Nimmer Landscaping, or Nimmer Turf. But I know, I've know i gotten to know Kerry through working with Vereen some, and he has been, he was a superintendent. He's been around the Carolinas for a long time, and you'll get to hear some stories. Great guy, and then I think you and I may have peppered him with some grass questions here yeah, and there. Yeah, it was, it, was it was a good time spent, and uh, it's enjoyable to hear what Kerry had to say, and we hope you all enjoy listening. Together, the South Carolina Golf Association, the South Carolina Junior Golf Association, and the South Carolina Junior Golf Foundation strive to promote, preserve, and grow the game of golf in South Carolina. Through a combined effort, each association and the foundation work to support amateur golf, junior golf, and grow the game's initiatives throughout the state of South Carolina. Be sure to follow all three organizations on our social media handles for the latest and greatest updates and news. The MySCGA app is also a great way for all members to post scores, follow live scoring at SCGA Major Championships, and stay updated on all things SCGA. To follow live scoring of the SCJGA events, download the SCJGA app. We are lucky to be joined by somebody I consider a friend of mine, Mr. Kerry Stoffel. Kerry, how you doing? Good. How are y'all? Doing well. Great. So I've gotten to know Carrie through Vereens, who you work with. You're Correct. a salesman, so to speak. Correct. Then I also learned on your voicemail, you also must do something with Nimmer Turf. I am a salesman for Nimmer Turf. Been with them for, I guess it's uh, 23 years now. Wow. Yeah. For our listening audience, Vereens, tell us what Vereens is. Somebody might not know what Vereens is. Vereens is a fertilizer company that started... Years ago, I was friends with Frankie Vereen when I was 15 years old, and I used to stop by the store, and we used to sit and talk, and as I got further along in the industry, um, uh, I started buying fertilizer from him, and, and uh, we just had a great relationship. I don't think we ever had an argument in 50 years we knew each other. Nice. That's a pretty good statement there yeah. for anybody. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure... Kerry could tell some stories. He was pretty instrumental in the Myrtle Beach area, wasn't he? As far as golf development and you talking about Frankie? Yeah. Yes. Um, some of the guys when he passed wanted to put him in the Hall of Fame for the relationships that he had carried throughout Myrtle Beach with all the superintendents and right. he was friends with a lot of guys. Actually, his daughter Mindy, who runs the company now, mm-hmm. she was not even born yet when. Uh, Frankie was having superintendents over to the farm to, <laughs> to have cookouts and things of that nature. Right. And then later on, Mindy was there, and she was roller skating around. And <laughs> <laughs> you were you a superintendent at that time? Uh, in 1979, I, I became officially a, a superintendent. All right, so you walked in. And you showed us a picture of you at you at Camp Lejeune. How old were you? I was two. And and two. Pretty cool people in the background, one being your father. 
my dad was there and Jim Faree was there in the pro shop at the same time. Yeah. Dad went into the Navy in 1953, and uh, as soon as he finished with the Navy, he was a medic with the uh, Marines, and uh, as soon as he finished, he went right into the pro shop, and him and Jim Faree were there from probably 56 to to uh, 58, I think is when my dad left. And that, that would have been before Faree played professionally? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Because he is the logo, correct? He is. Yeah. What do you remember about that? He's the logo of? the Is it Senior Tour or PGA Tour? Harbor Heritage Foundation of South Carolina. Uh, his picture is pretty much on everything that you see in golf around here. Yeah. Silhouetted with the knickers. Right. right. Yeah. Yes. And we yeah. unfortunately just lost Mr. Faree. We did. And uh, he was 92 when he passed. And I believe I've heard stories he was holding me when I was born in the, in the pro shop. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> was that one of your earliest memories? Do you remember Cantwell June? I do. Yeah. Uh, vaguely. Um, we left when I was three, and my dad took the job at Shaw Air Force Base. Okay. And I kind of look at Shaw Air Force Base as very similar to the way Tiger Woods grew up on a military base. The flight line was right next to the golf course, and it was noisy. <laughs> Lucky I can hear today. Well, if you were at Camp Lejeune, with the water they had, too, I believe you're lucky you're here today. <laughs> oh, that's what some of you spoken to a couple attorneys, you know, because when it was brought up 10 years ago, uh, my dad looked into it, and uh, they said there's there's no merit to this, and then later, within the last year or two, as you can see on TV, all the, yeah. the ads. But uh, I literally just opened up my email and there's a Camp Lejeune email <laughs> in there, I swear. It's Big Brother listening, I don't know what's going on, but. Man, so you, did you play junior golf any? Oh yeah, I played, played peewee golf throughout the state. My dad uh, and I were pretty tight. Uh, he taught me to play golf at a very early age. I was. He put me on trains to go to golf tournaments. Really? And uh, it's kind of unheard of to hear anybody put their child on a train <laughs> to go play golf. And uh, I had won the uh, South Carolina State as a peewee and won the El Esposito in Charleston at yeah. the uh, Charleston Country Club. Wow. But uh, What's well, now the Beth Daniel Jr. Zellia. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you ever know Mr. Esposito? I did. Really? Very, very well. Huh. Yep. He was friends with Sam Sneed. But, um, did you ever know Sam Sneed? I did not personally okay. know him, but I watched him play a lot of golf. I watched him hit a lot of golf balls, yeah. especially at Augusta. And I watched uh, Ben Hogan play quite a bit. I, I watched, actually, or I, I witnessed Bobby Jones sitting in a wheelchair at the clubhouse. My first Masters was Man, 19, wow. 1960. Wow. Jack was not even a golf pro at that time. He was still an amateur. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever played Augusta? No. Okay. Uh, we had an invitation one day, and the pilot didn't want to go because uh, he was an older pilot, and he said the weather was marginal. So he, so I said, well, let's get in the car. <laughs> and uh, we never got there. No. But, wow. Uh, so – Shaw Air Force Base. Where did you go from there? Your dad, did he? Well, he went to Shaw in 58, and uh, he was there for 10 years or 11 or 12 years. And then uh, 
he was, uh, at the time, the, the base commander that came in after 12 years said that we need everybody that's working on this base to be in the military. And he was he was a civilian at that time. Yeah. So uh, he, he put his resume out, and we ended up at the surf club in North Myrtle Beach. Yeah, that's where he, he worked there for a little bit. Yeah, he was there for about eight years. Man, that's a good little location. It was. Cherry Grove, correct? Um, just south of it, right? Okay. Just uh, north of Ocean Drive. Okay, yeah. man. Going kind of in between Ocean Drive and Cherry Grove, you're right. So you've been, you saw Myrtle Beach before it exploded, I would assume. There was maybe 15 golf courses there when we got really there. yes man what do yeah. you think as they kept coming in and kept coming it, it reminded me of a, a gold rush <laughs> it yes. still is it feels like with the development but not golf with courses. The development yeah, yeah. They, well, they realized the dirt's worth more than the grass i think around ex- exactly and uh for instance bay tree i watched it right. being constructed in 1970 71 and i still remember all the partners because i worked out there on the golf course for a while they had uh, two tour qualifiers out there, and I remember Calvin Pete and Peter Oosterhouse had qualified there. Then we had the LPGA at Bay Tree, and uh, it's amazing that that they had LPGA fifty-four it, hole facility. I mean, it was a it was huge. There was never a house built on those fifty-four holes, and it's now all going into housing. <laughs> right, but there's at least thirty golf courses that have closed down to go into housing, and uh, I've always said that in Myrtle Beach you got X number of people coming into this area, but when you, your divisor has changed to where you got so many golf courses, it's kind of hurting the other courses. Right. There's so many places to, to play golf. And I would think as a fertilizer salesman, not just fertilizer, all the chemicals, herbicides, fungicides, you don't want to see them go away. That's a customer closing doors. Correct. Yeah. And, and the market now and landscape is, is very good as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a various growing side of it. It is. No doubt. It is. Uh, I know many of people who have fertilizer salesmen take turf beard from Florida. They told him to spend 90% of his time on landscape and, and stay off the, not stay off the golf courses, but let's get that rolling. So, I'll never forget a uh, seed salesman from uh, Oregon. He was talking about uh, the amount of seed that was going to golf courses throughout the country. He said, but there's a better market out there than, than golf courses. He said, food plots ah, for deer. He huh. said, you cannot believe how much seed we sell for, for deer. <laughs> I can see that. So I want to talk to you about what you've seen during your time, chemical-wise. When you first started. Oh, God. There was something. I think, there was some really dangerous chemicals on the market. It was, I think it was you and I talking about you had to spray it at night because you couldn't, couldn't even let it. It was glowing orange or oh, something. Wow. and was that you not talking about that? No, no it was not him. Okay. It no. was not him. <laughs> no, but I've sprayed uh, years ago. The most dangerous chemical I remember was Nemagon. It was the first chemical out that they could inject into fairways. And, oh, my God, everything that walked on that fairway died. Squirrels, <laughs> dogs, everything. It was it was horrible. And, you know, so that went off the market quick. Right. quick. Real quick. And then... Uh, uh, we had a lot of paraquats, the triazine family of chemicals, and uh, all those products now, the DDTs, uh, you name it, I've, I've seen them all. And it's amazing after 
you know, we're sitting here talking about how long did you drink the water at Camp Lejeune? <laughs> about six years, and I sprayed Roundup for 40 years, and I, and I sprayed all these chemicals. And I'm lucky to be sitting here talking to you. I know. <laughs> your, I know. Your modern miracle. <laughs> the medical miracle. There's been some mainstays, though, in the chemical world that haven't changed. I'm going to throw out one term that I've heard, and I don't know the chemicals great, but daconil. Yes. Correct? Yes. That hadn't changed any, has it? It used to be an oil-based product. It's now water-based. Okay. And what's that do? Uh, that's a contact fungicide Yeah. that uh, if you see uh, leaf spots, probably our number one disease, common disease. Okay. And you spray that as a contact on top of the leaf, and it, it uh, cures the fun- fungus. What about breakthrough chemicals? What, like, what do you think the best breakthrough chemical you've seen during your whole tenure, not just the last 15 years or so? That was a game changer. Mm, I can't really isolate to one chemical, but I think the um, the DMI chemicals now that we're using are stronger than the, maybe the systemics and the contacts. And uh, as long as you're not injuring the turf from, from hot temperatures, which they're formulating these chemicals now to where they can be applied in hotter temperatures. But Right. Uh, we have a take-all patch and, and uh, uh, a lot of different root rots, things of that nature that you got to get down in the soil and penetrate to get to these. So a lot of the funguses like fairy ring and yeah, you know. I think it's interesting. A lot of our like a lot of our listeners, you know, they, they, they play golf. They go out there and there's the golf course is pretty and what have you. But from the superintendent side of things, they don't know what is all involved. Particularly the science part that's involved with these superintendents, especially nowadays. I yeah, mean, it's it's a, you got to be a chemical engineer almost to make it happen. When I was working at Collison River, uh, every time the board came in, I felt like I was teaching turf, so that they could understand why we did things a certain way, and it was it was uh, enjoyable to uh, to teach them about things that we deal with uh, in. We perspire on the golf course as humans, but grass transpires. And then understanding the transpiration process of a plant, how much it can go without water. And we're, we're virtually taking grass now to, to almost death to, to get the faster speeds on the grains. So it is a real science. Uh, you know, when you go out to water a grain in, in your prime time, you're just spinning the heads just to get enough leaf moisture and to keep those speeds up. But Unbelievable. Uh, it is, and, and the, the grasses have obviously changed over the years, too. Uh, a, little, oh, yeah. a little more tolerant of things. So uh, you, you mentioned Colleton River. Tell me, just walk through your work experiences. Where have you worked? Um, when I came out of college, my dad had bought a repossessed golf course up in Calabash, North Carolina. Okay. Jack Nicholas had offered me a job to build courses with him around the world. But I turned that down because Dad was in trouble. He had got in over his head with buying this <laughs> golf course. And uh, I went in there and worked really, really hard f- to show what I could do in the industry. And him and a doctor, they virtually put up $150,000 to get started with the bank. And six years later sold it for seven and a half million dollars wow and so i felt like i had done my job to take care of mom and dad <laughs> yeah and then it was time for carrie to go back to talking to jack nicholas and people like that yeah and uh i built long bay um uh, that was a 
a tough project because uh, there wasn't much to work with. The, the ground was gumbo clay. And, uh, <laughs> and so Jack usually would come in with a menu, says, we got five different styles of golf course. Which one would you all like? Nobody could answer him. He says, don't worry about it. I'll give you what I think <laughs> needs to, to go here. Wow. And uh, he built a nice golf course. He was building Pauly's Island at the same time. And then uh, when I got done with the golf course, he they offered me a job at Carlton River to come and build the Nicholas course down here. Okay. Which my wife didn't want to move, so we stayed in Myrtle Beach. And, and I went to Ocean Ridge Plantation and helped them get their courses going. Wow. Uh, later on, I ended up at Marsh Harbor and Oyster Bay as their director of, of maintenance. That's just in North Carolina? Yes, it yeah. is. Yeah. Matter of fact, the clubhouse is half of it's in South Carolina, the other half's yeah. in North okay, Carolina. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, so they could serve drinks on one side and they could serve it on the <laughs> How other. That? That's I've cool. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, then from there, um, I got a phone call from my dad and he said, Walk them all land in timber has property for seven golf courses on the south end of Myrtle Beach, and they want you to build seven courses. And he said, you need to go ahead and tell your boss you're leaving. I said, are you sure? <laughs> and I sat down with the attorney because they were giving me a sweat equity package, and which had been something I couldn't turn up, turn yeah. down. And uh, it ended up, the deal fell through. The yeah. investor from Chicago, who had like $150 million to put into these golf courses backed out. So I picked up the phone and called Jack Nicholas and said, I need a job. He said, we don't have anything, but Gary Player, his golf course going in Melbourne turned out to be scratch golf that's here in Hilton Head. Huh. So I got to know Bill Palmer and uh, he sent me down there to build a golf course. I got to know Gary Player. It was uh, quite a learning experience to, to go from a a Jack Nicholas course to a Gary Player course. And um, as I was in Florida, I got to, to see a lot of my alumnus that I went to college with in Lake City. Okay, you're a Lake City Turf right. graduate? Yeah, correct. That's in Florida, not Lake City, South Carolina. I was about right. to say, man, Lake City just keeps pumping people out, man. <laughs> no, yeah, no, Lake City, Florida. <laughs> okay, yeah. But um, my wife said, get me home. So we were that down there for three about three years, and then the, the job came open at Colleton, and uh, I went back and they said, oh, we remember you. And they immediately hired me, and uh, we were within that 200-mile radius that the wife needed to be to back to mom and dad. I hear you. So you did end up, that's how you ended up there. So both, both golf courses, the Colleton, I mean, the Nick and the Die? Well, I ended, die. Up, I ended up, uh, I was very involved with the construction of the Die golf course. Right. Yeah. And uh, it was definitely the different styles of of, uh, of architecture, as Pete said. The difference between me and Jack is like oil and water. Huh. You know, we're we're totally different uh, type uh, architects. Does the die Does the die golf course still have probably one of the most expensive ninth tee boxes ever built in the history of golf? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? The, the one that's the, built the, back in the marsh and elevated, and they'd run the irrigation to it. <laughs> yeah, we call it a skybox. The skybox, yeah, yeah. yeah. That par four is 490 yards long. I mean, that's a long par four. It is. Yeah. It is. That's uh, we use it for our U.S. when we did the U.S. Am qualifiers. We've done two state amateurs there now too. We 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 used it for all of them. It was a it made it a, a different golf hole for sure. That was definitely a, a tough tee shot. Yeah, 
It's a long walk across the bridge. It is. I'm, it's, I vividly remember you showing me that. So what'd you, how'd you leave Colleton? Um, let's see. From there, uh, that's when Mindy Varin came in my office after being there for seven years dealing with politics and, and the construction of the golf course. And she said, I'm looking for a salesman. And I said, for Hilton Head? She said, that's a long way from home, isn't it? And she said, well, uh, we need somebody that uh, is willing to play golf with customers, take them to dinner, take them to lunch, uh, shoot, ski, go hunting. I said, oh, that's right up my alley. <laughs> I can do that. I, uh, the rest is history. So, obviously, Mindy, uh, when Mr. Vereen passed away, Mindy was already running it. Um, Correct. She does a great job. She's now on the Primera board and national board. And right. To hear her talk chemicals is pretty impressive. It and is. prices. Right. Uh, you're not going to get much by her. You no. know what I mean? So, no. All right, so something I've found interesting and it just kind of still blows my mind is the coated fertilizers. Uh, everybody has a different color coating. Yours is pink. Farines is pink, correct? Our newest one is. Yes. Um, tell, how does that work? How does the Prill know? Well, a lot of the slow-release slow Prills in, in the old days was sulfur coat, which Lesco had come up with. And uh, their claim was 38% nitrogen in their urea. And then along comes Parcells, which is their polysulfur-coated urea. And we've had XRT, which came out of Indiana. Uh, now we're dealing with Premier. Polyon is, a, is a, another yeah. polymer coat that, that all these fertilizers. In the old days, we had an IBDU, which was a water-soluble prill. Okay. Uh, and, and as soon as you put it down, you had to water it in, right? Well, their claim is that every time you turn the water on, you get a 5% release. Okay. It was a very, very big product. I used a lot of IBDU in my day, but they, they, uh, they sold out. Some of the companies are trying to use a little bit of IBDU in some of their blends, but then um, you've got the Nitroforms, which is the blue chip, yeah, and you have uh, methylene urea, you have the, the polyons, and I think the first day in turf class, you know, they told us that the word feasibility was was used a lot because. How much time do you have to go out there and, and feed the turf like uh -huh. on, a, on an every three-week basis? So if you want to be able to feed the golf course and have a time to release fertilizer prill, then it, it frees you up to go get other things done instead of spreading fertilizer all the time. Right. One thing I thought was interesting, and it's based on soil temp. If you put it down, you can know that this uh, – application will last 90 days or if the soil temps at this temp it's only going to last 60 days so, correct. correct correct yeah right when, when you from the again from the golfer's perspective the member's perspective at some of these places you've been and you deal with on a regular basis what are the superintendents keeping into consideration as far as fertilizer too much grass too little grass i mean that, that's something you're always having to work uh, with i mean as a older superintendent i always told him i said i have to pretend i've got a a uh a dial on the wall that, that I can look out the window and I can get the color I'm looking for because I don't want it to be ultra green because if I do I slow the, the course down 
and then the, the fairways start to get cushiony and thatch is building. So we're, we're dependent on Mother Nature, microbial activity and, and all that, and some vertical mowing in fairways to try to keep from getting too much growth. Every, the science of growing grass today is so much different than it was in the old days. Uh, in the old days, you just put something out there and wouldn't fertilize again for six months. In today's world, it's like, I always use the term, and excuse me for saying this, but you almost have to re remember that grandma's on her her deathbed in the hospital and you don't give her steak and potatoes to, to keep her alive. <laughs> That's great. Man, that is funny. You, you'd mentioned something we were talking off air about the the grass being sticky and getting the roll out of it. You're right. Tell me about that again, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, well, there again, when I was in, in college, our professor was Brian Silva, who is a pretty famous in today's world with redoing Donald Ross golf courses. Okay. And Brian made us write essay after essay about the negative effects of, of high nitrogen. You know, and here I am selling fertilizer. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I think everybody in today's world has learned that, you know, you're only going to put as much food out there as, as the plant needs to survive. Right. Just like on greens, it all started with green speeds, as the green speeds had to be picked up. You know, there's so many different tools that we use with the growth regulators. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, this golf course right here we're at today with John Wright, uh, he uses, him and Brooke both use as much a new and um, primo as about anybody in the state. Knocking it down. That's a growth Keep, regulator. Yeah. Well, there's there's really, it's almost impossible to hold back this poana. And we're using everything we can to kind of, you know, I've always described a herbicide as, as it's a, a selective herbicide, non-selective meaning Roundup, selective herbicide that is strong enough to kill the, the, the weed, but not to kill the host. Right. So... When you've got kids at home and mama needs food and and you got bills to pay, it's a dangerous job. Yeah. Uh, what any anything new you can see coming out? Any miracle? We're all hoping for that miracle to show up. <laughs> Been waiting. Because we're actually using herbicides today that are going back to the seventies. Really. With the syncors and the curbs. Yeah. Things that we used years and years ago, and a lot of those. Or what we called more of the dangerous herbicides, but right. they're still effective. They're yeah. just being used at lighter rates and more frequent applications. Hmm. And you know, it's it's kind of a roll of the dice. I can't go in there and ever tell anybody what to spray. Right. You know, it's it's your job. Yeah. It's your livelihood. <laughs> You're the one that's got to pay the bills at home. Right. Yeah. So where uh, where do you do you live here, Myrtle Beach? Well, we have a home in Myrtle Beach. We had a home here for 20 years out in the country, yeah. and we had five acres. And uh, one of the greatest places I've ever lived, I bought the house from Tony Nimmer. Okay. And uh, it was just a great place to be because I love to hunt and fish. My dad, uh, I've had a lot of customers ask me, where did you learn how to do so many different things, you know, golf, fishing, hunting? 
And uh, my dad was a big cook. He loved to cook wild game dinners and things of that nature. And he was always fishing. If, if he wasn't playing golf, he was fishing. I don't know how anybody could have seven kids. And, and <laughs> he told me later after mom died in 86, but he, uh, he said, your mama was a saint. <laughs> I bet. That's funny. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but you don't have the you don't have the farm here anymore. The Did, I'm sorry. Didn't you wasn't the farm? Didn't you tell me? Uh, you mean where we lived? Yeah, down here. No, we just lived on the turf farm. The oh. five acres was in in between two side fields, which was very appealing to me because it gave me a driving range on both sides of the house. So whichever way the wind was blowing, is <laughs> I didn't have to hit downwind. <laughs> And That's funny. the kids went to private school over in Ridgeland, right. which I wanted to protect them from the gangs and things of that nature. And uh, I had uh, Joan Nimmer was Tony's mother. She asked me, is your daughter socially happy here? And I go, I'm going to ask her that question. And she said, yes, Dad, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. You know, but as soon as she got out of the countryside and she was accepted to go to Clemson but ended up going to uh, coastal Carolina because her brother showed her what the college kids did on on their, their weekends <laughs> they all lay on the beach oh yeah and yeah. that was a hard decision to make yeah yeah so uh, and Megan has a a blog and she has done uh, extremely well with her blog yep she's a big Instagram deal isn't she, she? is and uh, I we're very proud of how well she's done with it. What, what is her Instagram focus? Uh, or Southern Living. Southern, okay. Yeah. And she just about sells everything any mall sells. Nice. <laughs> nice. And does very well with it. What's and What's her last name now? Stokes. Okay. Megan so, Stokes. So if, if you had to look up Stoffel in a phone book, Stokes would probably be right next to it. <laughs> <laughs> Convenient for her. Right. So where are you playing most of your golf these days? Um, I just play – I try to play with my son on the weekends, maybe one day on the weekends. We played Grand Dunes yesterday. Okay. And uh, we had our granddaughter with us, and after nine holes he looked at me and he says, I'm beat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he says – I said well, – you know, we paid eighty dollars to play golf here. I said that's the local rate. Right. I, said, I said you're going home. He says I can't take it no more. She's got to be in bed at seven thirty. Wow. Yeah. So his other buddy and I went and played the front nine. We stayed off in the back first. <laughs> Let me ask you something. With you in the business and what you've been doing for years and years now, I mean, you go out and do a casual round of golf like you did yesterday at Grand Dunes. Uh huh. Can you shut it off as far as what you're looking at and what you think in your mind could maybe could be done better or what you would do different or are you are you just playing golf? I try to just play golf. Yeah. Yeah. And uh you know everybody's got their own politics, got their own uh budgets and uh I don't I've always said I, I don't know that I'd ever want to be on the board with the uh, the greens committee or anything because I, I'm not sure the board would accept that they would think I'm I'm too much. I've been described as all you superintendents are the same. Yeah, <laughs> I said, well, let the boy do his job. Right. Yeah. You know. Well, there's so much more involved than I mean, like 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 I, that example I just gave you. You just out there playing golf and seeing what you're seeing. There's so much more on the back end of things, as you know, because you've yeah. been there. That 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 might be uncontrollable or, or or waiting for future projects or whatever it might be. I mean, it's. It's uh, it's hard to just come out there and. Well, I think right now is a good example. 
a lot of people in this area are worried from that those two weeks of yeah. very cold weather we had Around in their Christmas greens. Time? Yeah. yeah, correct. And they won't know until a week or two from now once it starts warming up, right? I was up at Myrtle Beach when that cold came through, and I have never seen so many golf courses with tarps on their greens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they they had a, a severe kill up there a few years back, and, right. and it's gotten their attention. Yeah, because yeah, that'll put you out of business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You that was what 2018, I think, when that came through, and they had to. Had a lot of golf courses had to redo greens throughout right. the time. I lost my yard. I know it's not nearly <laughs> as bad as the greens, but there is no secret chemical or anything to help them. You just got to see what happens, right? Right. Come out the growth period and, and maybe do some plugging here and there. Well, you're dealing with a living organism, and, and I, I kind of teach the younger guys that when we sit down and start trying to, to diagnose a situation or a problem, we have to sit there and start talking about Let's, let's go from A to Z on the stresses that this, this green is going through. Whether if you're rolling greens seven days a week, that's a huge stress. Is it? If you're pumping bicarbonate and sodium water, that is another huge stress. Yes. The weather being too cold, that is causing desiccation and, and the plant shutting down. Right. And then you've got, um, you've got a, a, a reserve uh, your um, your root mass has the reserve in there that is the supply of your food for the winter, and it's using that that reserve to right. to keep itself going. Mm. But uh, there's it's not just cutting grass, Bill. I know. I thought I'd just touch, turn a little lawnmower and get up there and get it going. Let's <laughs> throw a little water on it and keep on going. No, that makes sense. There's a lot of stresses, like you say. Oh, and. How the guy waters his grass is is also crucial. He might be overwatering, or he and what's in the water? What's the pH balance? The pHs can be off. Anytime you get around uh, saline waters, you're going to get higher pHs. You get around bad uh, um, the reclaimed water that a lot mm-hmm. of courses are using yeah. today. The pHs are higher because of detergents and things that people are using at home. Huh. You know, and then sometimes when the 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 plants are are trying to do their job and to they use uh, hydrochlorination to to kill the bacteria, so that it's the process of taking reclaimed water and turning it back into they want to say it's drinking water. I'd never yeah. drink it, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's sent back to the golf courses right. and uh, and. Picture yourself pumping from your swimming pool with chlorine water and putting it out on the golf course, and the superintendent goes, "Why is the grass yellow today? It was green yesterday." <laughs> well, what they do at the plant? The plant right. hydrochlorinated. They backwash their 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 tanks mm-hmm. and their filters, and so they're they're using polymers to to deflocculate the sludge, and all that has to go back into a liquid state. Then right. they're oxygenating the water to get the microbial activity to to chew that stuff up, yeah. and then. Some of these polymers that they're using are, are the wrong polymers that we we need aerobic poly, uh, microbes, uh-huh. and so we try to incorporate aerobic bugs into our soils to keep from the anaerobic bugs from from taking over. That's amazing. It, it, when you when you've got a wet spot on the fairway and it's holding water, it's uh, it's got to have oxygen for the anaerobic the aerobic microbes to survive. And, 
There's a lot of science to all there, this there's stuff. There's a ton of science. I'm going to wrap this thing up fairly shortly. But what is there? There's not a perfect grass. I know it depends on your region. You know, something that grows well in Maryland that will grow well here. But what is the perfect grass for this area? Is there one? No, no. There again, I, I'd probably get in trouble if I started okay. making judgment. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I can't throw those um, questions out. A good 419 is hard to beat. But if you're in an area that uh, maybe the 419s today, I think Ashley over at Long Cove made a great statement. He says, he says, the celebration is outperforming the 419 three to one. He said, I cannot afford to make myself look bad by continuing with this grass, even though you got to watch out with the celebration yeah. because it was a, an Australian common that was brought over to this country. Really? And it's now probably our premier grass. It's on these fairways on this golf course at Harbortown. Brooke has it on his two golf courses. Really? Yeah. Huh. And uh, But it's greener. And in the old days, Gary Schneider was one of the first ones I remember putting the uh, celebration around his bunker faces and, and it started he started looking at me says I'm too green on the bunker faces you know I'm right. brown in the fairways and I'm green here I says <laughs> he says I the more I put out there the more my golf course looks modeled you know well, so, yeah that's interesting hmm. yeah but Man. stories one of the stories I know you're ready to wrap yeah, this you, up but it, uh, the, the Tiff Eagle that's so popular today, mm-hmm. in the old days, it, it was in the trials, and it was radiated and cobalted by Dr. Hannah, and they clipped it off from a Tiffway tooth sprig, and they propagated it, and it came out as TW73, and Dr. Hannah was over at College River one day, so I'm looking for a name. Does anybody in this room have a, a catchy name for this grass? And that's what we, we put on today. Really? Tiff Eagle. Oh, we are. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go back to the original name. Was it TW73? It was. I'm going to start calling it that. <laughs> start confusing nobody, nobody would know what you're talking oh, about. <laughs> right, right. Man, that's crazy. Uh, and that was at Carlton River too, huh? Well, we, we had an outing with uh, – we were hosting the Superintendent Association to come over okay. and play the die course for the first time. Gotcha. But that was the time he came in and was asking for a name. He was ready to move it into the market. That's great. Yeah. Man. It was over at the landings for almost uh, five years before before they were ready to put it on the market. And that would have come out of TIFF in Georgia, correct? Is that where the TIFF comes well, from? No, yes, yes and no. It came out of Georgia, but it came out of the University of Georgia. That, right, yes. right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you know that, Biff? No, I did not. There, <laughs> there are agronomy <laughs> schools in Tifton, and uh, that's where TIFF Tough and TIFF Eagle and all that stuff was okay. grown. Right, or, right. I guess manufactured. You know, they, How do they do that? They splice it up and... Well, they they propagate it and they they radiate it and do all kinds of things to change the genetics of the plant right. to see if they can get it to grow. But uh, the one grass, the champion grass, was found in Hawaii. Uh, it was growing on a grain, and they they pulled it, took it to Texas. They grew it, and it was a very very popular grass. Still is today. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear, you hear people talking about champions. So it, it it came it came about by accident. The champion grass. It did. Wow. Uh, I mean, correct. originally in Hawaii. Wow. Yes. I had no idea. Yeah. yeah, they mutate. There are mutations. Uh, I've learned some things. Uh, and it's quite interesting. Yes. Um, in fact, I heard uh, 
gentleman talking. It might might have been with you guys down here, but they were. I'm going to edit this part out, but it was just kind of crazy about how long it it took him 20 years. There was a podcast list to it. It took him 20 years to do one of the Bermudas to find the perfect Bermuda. It might have been might not pin cross, but it was it was crazy just huh. to hear the guy who invented it. It took him 20 years to get paid off on it by the time it finally came around. I tell you something that a lot of people don't understand. They think a 419 is the grass. Right. There's only 23 different 419s, <laughs> and there's and the state of Georgia certifies two of what they call their best two 419s. South Carolina picked two others, and that's their certified 419. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. But the celebration seems to be the dominant grass, and a lot of people are trying to tiff tough and right tiff it's, sport and. I feel, I feel like it's a lot of marketing now. Is it, it not? It is. Uh, because you can only get by your Tiff Tough from one person. You only buy Tiff Eagle from one person. Correct. You know, so. Right. And everybody's looking for the, the royalty money off of what yeah. they bred and what they're selling. Right. And, here's, and this is illegal, Biff. I want, so if, if you had a golf course and you wanted to grow a practice green or you lost a green and you started transplanting that grass from to that green, that's illegal, correct? You cannot grow grass from what you already have. If you want to replant that green, you got to buy that grass from those people. Really? Otherwise, it would be stealing. Am I right well, there? Is it not, not yours? No, not really. Um, <laughs> okay. If you were trying to grow the grass to sell, okay, then you're in violation. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. That um, makes sense. Sod, yeah. Sod Solutions down in South Florida has a lot of the, uh, the royalties to these grasses. So if, uh, let's say we're growing the empire, we're paying them a royalty fee on a monthly basis wow. to, to own that grass. Yeah. Who would have ever known all the science and background and financials to grass? Paying royalties on grass. Royalties on grass. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, Mr. Stoffel, thank you for joining thank us today. Thank you for having me. It's an honor having you here. Appreciate thank you being a part thank of you. it. Thank you. And if anybody needs anything, tell your superintendent to go to Marines. I will. And call care. <laughs> call yes. care. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you, sir. Thank you.